Okay, the title of the message today is Ask. So, so let's go into something very, uh, what we studied. So last time we studied about communion and judgment, isn't it? How many of you enjoyed the message on communion and judgment? Great message. I think there is a little bit more detail that we need to go into that. Uh, it's become not so common in our house and our children and all. You're sick, you're, you're hurting or anything, take communion. You know, the Bible says, as often as you, as often as you, as often, make, make communion the as often practice in your life. Because there is a reason why Yeshua has put it out there. It is a reason. So, for judgment. Remember communion, remember judgment. For some reason, connect judgment, communion to judgment. That's how it started, the Passover, as judgment. So, remember that Christ was judged. So, everything in your life, if you're hurting, your sickness, your disease, accusation, stress, anything, take communion. Direct the judgment onto Christ's body so that you can receive the benefits of the judgment. Amen? So just start to do that. Okay. Okay, let's go to Acts chapter 2. And today we'll go fast. I'll try to go fast because we have a mature group of believers. So we will quickly do fast. But I, let me tell you something. What, what I'm going to share today is so powerful. So powerful. And I'm, I'm seeing this. The word that God has been speaking and is revealing is powerful. Like last time the communion message was very powerful. God, I'm starting to see the power of it, right? I mean, explain. But, and something what God is going to speak today is going to be so powerful. So powerful. You'll start to realize the basic foundations of, of what we believe in. Let's go to that. Let's go to Acts chapter 2 verse 42. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to cover a lot of scriptures but I'm going to do it very fast because you all guys are tuned to what we, what we are trying to say. So I'll not kind of sustain a lot of the topics but I want you to kind of meditate on it and take with you to when, and go back and study. So Acts chapter 2 verse 42. Acts chapter 2 verse 42. Acts chapter 2 verse 42. Okay. Now, this is after the, the day of Pentecost. Okay. This is the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has just been poured out. And look at what this happened. And with many other words, now Peter testified and exhorted them saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. And those who gladly received their word were baptized. That day 3,000 people were saved. And then look at what happened. Now this, how many of you agree that this is the institution of the church? The Holy Spirit comes in. People are baptized and, and souls were added. Correct? How many of you agree this is the church? This is the birthplace of the church, right? This is the church. Okay, so church is just born, right? So we are saying, so what does the church do? The moment the church is born, what does they do? Let's look at the next verse. Verse 42. I want you to remember this and meditate on it and try to feed on it. Because if this is the church and this is what the church is supposed to do, Let's see what they did. Acts chapter verse 42. And they continued steadfastly. Say steadfastly. Without changing. Steadfastly. What did they continue in? In the apostles doctrine. Doctrine means teaching. So first thing they continued was in the teaching. What teaching? The word of faith. Correct? Because they are not continuing in the law. Right? Because now they have heard the gospel. They are continuing in the message of the gospel. That means the good news that you can be, you are saved through faith. The gospel, the apostles doctrine, not the 
Moses law. Big distinction. Very big distinction. So number one, you need to have your word of faith doctrine established. And you have to continue it. You have to feed on it. You have to meditate on it. Right? Number one. Number two, fellowship. The church continues in fellowship. Steadfastly. You cannot, like, we have, and I've seen this, you know, I've seen this. Believers, you know, they don't fellowship. You know, because it's so convenient not to meet. You know, because there's so many engagement that happens when we are supposed to meet. Why? And I've seen the believers who don't make it a practice to meet, they don't grow. I don't know, what, what is about fellowship? But I've seen this, I'm not telling now, I'm talking the moment I've got, when I've become a believer, from that time I've seen that the believers who did not continue in fellowship, who would not meet together on a regular basis, right? Not the guys who go to church. You're not talking about that church meeting, you know? When they meet together, like in a small group or something, they fall off. They don't, for some reason, they don't prosper. Not because they're not saved. There's something that God has instituted in the church that you have to Make it a time to get together. You have to continue steadfastly in fellowship. Number two, after the doctrine, fellowship. Number three, breaking of bread, communion. And last time we took a powerful message on communion about why and see how the enemy has taken communion out of the church, made it more exclusive and not, does not want the believers to continue steadfastly in it because because of this, many people are sick and die early, Paul says, because they don't take communion. Therefore, you see a vast majority of the church sick. You don't you see that? So the church suffers the same sickness that the Gentiles suffer. Right? We go to the same doctors that the Gentiles go to. Correct? We are no different because communion is missed up. Because we don't take the benefits of the body of Jesus Christ, the breaking. Right? Number three. Number four. Number four. How, how much we undermine prayers. We look at prayers as being a lot of work and burden. Correct? Actually, it is part of the new covenant reality. Prayers is a new covenant reality. Let me repeat. Prayers is a privilege under the new covenant. Under the old covenant, there was no possibility of prayer. Let me ask you a question. Among the Ten Commandments, which commandment refers to prayer? I thought, I mean, that's, isn't that important to pray? But why is it not in the Ten Commandments? It's understood. That's what we think, right? But just think about it. Why would it, if prayer is important, why is it not in the Ten Commandments? Because prayer is not the old, the old covenant. It is a new covenant. Because prayer is basically saying that I don't deserve what I get. I'm asking you as a gift. While the law and the covenant is, if I do something, I should get it. I don't need to ask for it. So in the old covenant, there was no possibility of prayer. Prayer pre, so 
position of humanity. Write it down. Prayer presupposes a position of humility. Under the law, there is no possibility of humility because there is no mercy. Means you either do it and you get the reward of it or if you don't do it, you get the curse of it. There is no possibility of mercy. You got it? Think? So prayer is the foundation of prayer is grace. The foundation of prayer is mercy. Do you get it? So prayer is a privilege. Prayer is a privilege in the, in the new covenant. It is not a reality in the old covenant. Now when you think about it, see because let's look at the first thing. The apostles' doctrine was not a privilege in the old covenant because there was no apostles' doctrine. You could not come in through by faith. How many of you will agree that? The covenant was you do it and you do it. Correct? Number one. Number two. Second, fellowship. Fellowship was there, but there was no mandated fellowship. Fellowship was anytime people gathered together, people died. <laughs> because when the first time when the law was given, there was fellowship at Mount Sinai. Guess what happened? 3,000 people died. So when they gathered together, they eventually they died. Either when they were, whenever they met together, either there was a golden calf, or there was murmuring, or there was death. But in the new covenant, when we fellowship, what happens? There is life. Amen? Number three, breaking of bread. New covenant reality. Number four, prayers. Okay, so what are the foundations of the new covenant reality? That you need to continue steadfastly. Number one, teaching of what? Not any kind of teaching. What? So apostles teaching. Apostles talking about the Paul and what Peter preached. The gospel according to faith, the word of faith. I'm telling you, if you constantly hear messages that are, which are under the law and condemning messages and talk about humanism and how what you have to do and self-help, that is not the apostles doctrine. I'm sad to say sometimes in our churches we are hearing a lot of humanistic teachings about how you need to do stuff and how you have to make it, how your heart is bad and how your heart is deceitful. No, that is your old covenant teaching. Your new covenant teaching is your heart is good. God has given you a new heart and he has loved you, not that you have loved them. That you should, God has forgiven you and therefore you forgive. You see the difference? You have to meditate on this apostle's doctrine day in and day out and feed because the enemy is trying to. And Paul was so clear. Paul was saying, after me is going to come wolves in sheep's clothing and they will uh, bring in fables. He kept using the word fables. They pretend to be teachers of the law. He's talking about the people who come pretending that they are bringing in the faith, but they are bringing in re-establishing the law, that they would bring in elements of communion, they would bring in elements of uh, Sabbath, they would bring in elements, not communion, sorry, elements of uh, circumcision, they would bring elements of the Sabbath, they would bring elements of the feast, they would bring elements of dietary habits. These teachers would pretend that they are under the under Christ, but slowly creep in elements of the shadow, not of the substance. The law is the shadow, Christ is the substance. Amen? So they would slowly creep in because they can, if they can bring in elements of the law into your life, you can be condemned. 
Because then you did not keep this, you did not eat this, you did not touch this, you did not speak this, you did not forget. You had bitterness in your heart. Your heart is not evil. You are, you are, you are angry. Ah, now it's all about you. Which is exactly what the law is. So you have to continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. I mean, there's no way. The church is in the second verse after the church is born. You have to continue certain. So if you are not getting good teaching, find good teaching. Meditate on your messages of faith, which focuses less on you and more on Jesus' finished work. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. You might become mad with me for saying so, but if you don't do that, you're not in the apostles' doctrine. Read the gospels. Read, read the apostles of the epistles of uh, uh, Paul. And he will tell you. In fact, Peter says, listen, read about what Paul says. Because Paul says stuff that many people don't understand and they twist it. Correct? Because they, they disgrace the gospel of Paul because they make it feel that Paul is preaching a licentious gospel. And he says those guys are untrained and they are turning the gospel into something else. It's because the gospel of Jesus, of Jesus the apostles' doctrine is so good. It's so good that the enemy will somehow try to hide it from you. It says that it, the gospel, what is the apostles' gospel? The apostles' gospel is your sins are forgiven. God never brings it up before you. That your ever life, your eternal life is eternal. It's an everlasting covenant. God is never going to be angry with you. Where, where, when have you last heard this message? When is the last time you heard an unconditional love message? Which is the gospel? It's somehow always covered and wrapped with conditions and about your doing. Preach the gospel. The message of reconciliation to the world. Correct? Preach it. Like what you, what you just shared in Chennai. Preach it, right? Preach the goodness of the gospel. It does the good news that you preach. Is it good? Does it even sound good? <laughs> if your gospel doesn't sound good, that means you're not preaching the apostles' gospel. Because the people, when they heard Paul's gospel, the whole city turned out and they begged that the same words will be spoken to them the next Sabbath. How many of you all ever heard people begging you to preach the same message again? You never hear that because the message was so good. They're like, can you repeat that again to my next time? Because it's so good, the message of the gospel. What is the gospel? The new covenant. I will forgive you since I will never bring it up. I've punished everything in Christ Jesus. Receive it by faith. But we are not focusing on that. We are not focusing on communion. We are not focusing on fellowship. We are focusing on the last one. And the enemy has somehow, just like with all the other three, he's made it appear as prayer is burdensome. Have you heard the thing that prayer is burdensome? You see, there is something in your mind that it says, pray, ah, pray. Prayer is used mostly to condemn believers, right? You don't pray enough. Right? You never think of prayer as a liberating uh, privilege under the new covenant. Guess what? Jokesman, you get to ask. Convert. Prayer is nothing more than I can ask. You know what? I can ask. I can ask this Father in heaven directly. I can ask. Man, I can ask anything. Prayer is asking. Nothing else. It's a great privilege of asking. But it's like everything else. It has been now 
lot of tradition and burden and now so that men the church will not constantly prayers all kinds of prayer asking 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 okay let's go to this let's go to because we have so much areas to cover so write it down prayer is a new covenant reality not available under the old covenant not available okay then you'll say adil but i do i do see prayer in the old covenant like god said on the in the temple who were prays in this temple i will hear we don't have too much time but it's amazing you go back and check in exodus do a search right check for prayer pray prayer pray you don't find much you don't much find find prayer there's no possible there's no op- option for prayer you know where moses discovered prayer exodus chapter 20 the law was given moses discovered prayer along with grace prayer came with grace as a package in exodus chapter 33 because he's saying lord because anybody who sins like oh i want you to go there because it's so, it's very important for you to know the privilege of prayer right let's go to exodus chapter 33 exodus chapter 33 exodus chapter 29 okay here is an attempt at prayer okay exodus chapter uh sorry 30 Okay. There's so much areas, but I, I I wish you can get the picture. Let's go to Exodus chapter 32. Here is an attempt at of Moses attempting to pray. Okay? Look at this attempt. After a long time I'm seeing the word prayer, okay? Uh Exodus chapter So the law was given in Mount Sinai is in Exodus chapter 20. So there's all these things happening. There's no scope for prayer. There's nothing. I mean, there is no there is no deal, right? The deal is very clear. You do what I'm telling you, you get your benefits. If you don't do, you get cursed, right? There's not, there's nothing like what, there's not, what, what, what are you going to pray about? There's nothing to talk. <laughs> you see in hospitals and healthcare, you cannot come and just talk. Write it down, right? Use these forms. I mean, there's no, there's no option like, can I, can, can a doctor come and see me? No, no. Go through the, go through the line. Go through the line. Enter your name. No doctor is going to see you. How about bad your cases? You might die in the waiting room. But unless you fill that form, nobody's going to see you, correct? I mean, you have had a tag. Nobody's going to take your blood, right? I mean, the law was very strict. I mean, God is good. God loves you, but that's the law. Because why? Because they wanted it. Remember, why? we talked about it. It was a deal. God said, "I will bring you. I brought you out of Egypt under the covenant of your fathers. I'm going to take you into the land under the same covenant. Deal? No deal. They said what? No. They said no deal." They said, "Whatever you tell us, we will do." God says, "That's not how the covenant your fathers obey." The father said, "Whatever I say, I will do." And Abraham said, "That's the deal. I'll take." But they said, "No. Whatever you say, we will do." God said, "No deal." No, they said, "No deal. We want. We don't want your old covenant. I will show you a verse today that will blow your mind." I will show you a verse that will blow your mind from Jeremiah chapter seven, which says that when God brought them out of Egypt, He never had His new covenant in mind. Have you read that verse? We'll come into it. There's so exciting verses out here. But let's go to. So here's an attempt of Moses at prayer. Right? Look at this verse. Exodus chapter thirty-two, verses thirty. Uh, 
And it came to pass the next day that Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin. So now I, I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make an atonement for your sin. Here is an attempt of a man who is very well justified. He really loves the people. He's saying, you know what? You all have made a big sin. Under the law, you all are going to be get killed, right? Let me go up and see whether I can make atonement for your sin. Right? Very valid. Very valid. Very valid. Right? Good intention. But what's the problem? Huh? Even Moses, as a man, cannot make atonement because the law is very clear. Listen to this. I mean, I don't know whether you have ever heard this exchange. Read this. You have committed a great sin, so now I, might, I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, now he's praying, correct? Is this, a, is this a prayer? And then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. He's talking about the same big event, right? This huge big sin. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, wow, which law is this? Which commandment is this? Where is suddenly forgiveness coming into the picture? Because now he's trying to access Prayer. It's not available. He's trying to access it. For, because something about Moses knows that this God is not a God of just law. He's also a God of mercy. He knows about it, but he cannot put a finger on it, right? He knows that this God is a God of mercy. But the people have decided that they don't want that deal, right? So he's trying to kind of sneak it. Lord, is there a way that you can forgive their sin? Wow, it's so powerful, right? Look at, look at God's response. But if not, he's trying to make atonement. Look at the atonement. I pray, the word prayer comes after a long time in Exodus. I pray, blot me out of the book that you have written. Wow, that is love, right? Isn't that love? Man, seriously. Moses is saying, blot me out. Man, this guy loves the people. How many of you all will say, blot me out eternally? You die and your children die. <laughs> I mean, who will ever say that? Even Paul said that. He said, Lord, I wish if, 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 it, was, if it was possible that I be cut off and my people be, if it was possible. But Paul used the word, if it is possible, because even Paul knows it is not possible. Because a man's atonement cannot cut it. Man's atonement cannot cut it. Okay? Now look, look at, listen to this. Prayer. And Moses said to the, and the Lord said to Moses, well, look at what he says. What does he say? Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of the book. That's a law. See, there is no scope for prayer. There is no scope for prayer. Without an atonement coming into the picture, prayer is non-existent. No atonement, no prayer. Say no atonement, no prayer. Because prayer is only possible when there is an atonement that has happened. Because only when an atonement is paid, now you can say, Lord, forgive. Because somebody's name was blotted out. Somebody said somewhere, my Lord, my Lord, why have you forsaken me? Somebody was blotted out. You 
So he said, no. He said, whoever sinned against me, I will blot him out of the book. But now therefore go lead the people to the place where I have spoken to you. So what he saying? Take them, take them, take them, take them, take them. You know, take them to the place. I'm not going to kill them now. Guess what? I will kill them. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't say that, right? But that's how you would read it, right? But God is so merciful. He is postponing the judgment and punishment. Why? Why is he postponing the punishment and judgment? We are trying to postpone the judgment and the punishment to put it upon Jesus. It's so good, right? It's so good. Look at what he says. But he doesn't show the complete picture to Moses, right? It's hidden. There it is. Therefore, go, lead the people to the place I have spoken to you. Behold, my angels shall go before you. Nevertheless, nevertheless, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Nevertheless, in the day when I will visit, for punishment. Which day was it? On the cross. That day he visited for punishment. Right? In the day when I visit for punishment. He will. I will visit punishment upon them for their sin. I will visit their punishment. He visited all our punishment on that cross. Amen? Immediately after this event, Moses discovers grace for the first time. Uh, Exodus chapter 33. There you go. There you go. Look at this. Verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you would not let me know whom you will send with me. Look at the word you. Y is capital. Right? So God said, I will send my angel over with you. And Moses said, Who is this that you are going to send with us? Who is this you? Who is this you? Why is the Y capital? It's the Lord. It's the Lord Jesus. Remember the rock that followed them in the wilderness was the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul talks about it. The rock that they struck was Jesus. The rock that they spoke to was Jesus. The cloud was Jesus. The manna was Jesus. Right? Everything was Jesus. So, so Moses said, who is this that you're going to send, send us with me? And, he, and Moses knows that it's a you. Because he, he knows it's God. Right? Keep reading. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, look at the verse, I know you by name and you have also found grace in my sight. Why has grace appeared for the first time in Exodus? Because God has found a way to visit the punishment on his son for the first time. When that happened, grace appeared towards Moses. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Let's look at further. Now therefore, I pray. Now he can pray. Because of this, now he has found grace. Because grace has appeared, now what is possible? I can pray. Hallelujah. Say, I can pray. I can pray. I can pray. Man, prayer is a privilege. So, therefore, I pray. Therefore, I pray. Say, therefore, I pray. Therefore, I pray. Say, therefore, I pray. Why do you pray? Why do you pray? Because grace has appeared. Because grace has appeared. Because atonement has been made. Therefore, 
pray. Therefore I pray. Therefore I pray. No one at the church prayed steadfastly. They prayed, they prayed, they prayed because for the first time they can pray. Therefore I pray. Okay, let's read. Therefore I pray. Then what he says, if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way. For the first time the word way comes. You know why the Christians were called the people of the way? Jesus said, I am the way. Because this is talking about what? He's not talking about the ordinances of the law. Show me your way. Show me your Yeshua. Show me your grace. See, because he's not saying show me your law. Because they already received the law. But he's saying show me your way. Because if I find grace, show me your way. Okay. Remember, whenever the Bible talks about the way, it refers to Jesus and the gospel of Jesus by faith. That's the way. Always. Always. Bible's way means the gospel of faith. Okay? Show me your way that I may know, your, know you and I might find grace in your sight. That means if you know the way, you'll find grace. If you find Jesus, you'll find grace. And consider this nation as your people. He's going back to the original deal that they cancelled. Jesus, God told at the bottom of Mount Sinai, He said, if you obey my voice, you want to go there and see what He says? Go back to Exodus chapter 20, uh, 19. Go to Exodus chapter 19. At the bottom of Mount Sinai. Now Moses went up to God and the Lord called him, verse 3. And God called him from the mountain saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. He's talking about the period of grace. He just brought them unconditionally. They were as evil as the Egyptians. They didn't care about God as the Egyptians, but yet God brought them. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. Which covenant? He had not got the law yet. The covenant of grace that he had promised Abraham. If you keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be a kingdom of priests. What do priests do that ordinary people don't do? Who said prayer? Pray. Pray. Please pray. So he says, under the covenant of grace that God promised Abraham, I will be your God and you will be my people and you will be a priest. Guess what? What priests can do? They can walk into the presence of God and pray. You see the power of the ability and the privilege that God gives as a, under the grace covenant, under covenant under what God promised that's why I don't like to say the old covenant because the old covenant was really the Abrahamic covenant which was a covenant of grace. Israel chose a second covenant which is this covenant. So he says, therefore, then guess what? You will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of God, Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and he called the whole nation of Israel and laid before them these words which God had commanded them. All the people answered and said, there they go. We know this verse. He said, what we will do. Look at the word do. That word do, do, do. That was not the old covenant. They missed it. So guess what? God sends them. God sent them back. God sends Moses back. Because he said, how do we know that? Look at this. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in a thick cloud, that the people may hear and speak with you and believe you. They think that, you know what, these guys are not taking it seriously. 
you know, I'm, they are not taking me seriously. They don't know what they are rejecting it. I'm coming to you. I'm going to appear before you now in a thick cloud so that they will believe that I actually spoke to you. Because they are not taking, they, I don't think they understand what they are doing. They are telling me that they can keep the law. They can do what I can do. That, that is pride. They are seriously thinking that they, they, I brought them out of Egypt because of how good they are. Seriously? Seriously? This is what they think? Okay? So look at, look at God's mercy. He doesn't accept their words. He doesn't accept their words because he knows the turmoil that this is going to bring them under. Right? So what he does? Behold, I come to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak to you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. I thought he had already told them, right? What happened? Why did Moses tell the words of the people again to the Lord? Because again they said, again they said, we will do it. So two times. Because two times God brought the words of the people to the Lord. Isn't it mentioned? Two times. Two times. Because God is trying to find a way for them to see it. But he said, no. And then what? So now he changed it. After this verse, everything changed. You, you can see that. You can see that. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to the people, consecrate, wash, tell them to ready. I'm going to come. You shall set boundaries. You don't come on this mountain. Anybody who touches this mountain, kill them. Shoot them, arrows, fearless, darkness, fire, everything starts from there. Because now they have rejected that covenant of you be my people, I will be your God. Ah, those words are familiar. You are my people and I will be your God. You are my people and you are, I will be your God. That is the new covenant in Christ Jesus. That is not under the law. See, now Moses is going back to that verse. He's trying to get back in grace. Look at verse Exodus chapter 33. But he says, If then and my and therefore I pray that if I found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I might know this. Okay. And my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. And consider and verse 13. And consider that this people, this nation is your people. You see that? He's going back to this. And look at very important. He said, My presence will go. And he said, and he said, That's the Lord. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So powerful, right? In this covenant of grace, we have rest. We have rest, right? And then he says, and then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go, do not bring us from here. Verse 16. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? I want you to re read that verse again. Just think about it, what Moses says. See, Moses understood something very powerful. He says, how will the people know and I know that I have found grace with you unless you go with us. So the mandate of grace appearing to you by virtue of the only evidence of grace you being in grace is what? God's presence with you. So this covenant necessitates, necessitate, I don't know the word, necessitates, necessitates that God dwell with 
sessions where people fall off the terraces kind of messages. I mean, we have not even started. We have not even started. So wonder why prayer is not mentioned in the Ten Commandments, because prayer is not a old covenant reality. It's a new covenant privilege. Write it down somewhere. Prayer is a new covenant privilege. It's a new covenant privilege. It's a new covenant privilege. It's a new covenant privilege. How, how much people under the law hungered to be ability to pray directly, ask directly. Okay, there you go. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. I have decided that I will cover the verses. <laughs> Romans chapter 10. Let's go, but we'll do fast. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. The big passage, and because that's a foundation scripture for so many areas of our Christian walk, but I want you to take it with the aspect of prayer. Romans chapter 10. Now Paul is talking about Israel. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. But I, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness is seeking to establish their own righteousness, having not submitted to the righteousness of God. Now you all know that passage. You all understand that well. 
that Israel is trying to establish its own righteousness. Israel is trying to say that because of what I do, I need to be accepted. And God says, Paul says, they have a zeal, but not according to knowledge. That means, that is not the correct knowledge. So, they have knowledge in a, in a, in a technical sense. They know all the law and the sacrifice and all, but Paul doesn't call that knowledge. Call, Paul calls that dumb. I considered it the Bible, he says, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees, I was Gamaliel, I was taught under Gamaliel, I was doing that, but I consider all that rubbish. I, all, I consider all that dumb. Because he says, that is not even knowledge. Because I'm not good. I, I, I didn't get anything. Because it made me more sinful. Correct? So he says, they have a zeal, but not according to knowledge. Remember that. Believers, we need to know, we need to have, we, many times we have a zeal, but not knowledge. Okay, why? Okay, keep reading. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses wrote about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does these things shall live by them. By the righteousness of faith speaks. Say, speaks. Say, speaks. Okay, so what is the contrast? The righteousness which is of the law does. Okay, I'm going to repeat this again so that it gets into your system. The righteousness of the law does. The righteousness of faith Speaks. Okay. Repeat that again. Righteousness of the law. The righteousness of faith. 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 I tell you why I'm focusing on the word speak. Because speak means what? In the new covenant, you have to I mean, your eyes, your minds will be blown open today. 
in terms of how critical this business of asking has become in this new covenant. It says, the, the righteousness of the faith speaks. Righteousness of faith speaks. Now, what does it speak is very important. Now, listen to this. Romans chapter 10. Righteousness of faith speaks in this way. It says, and he's saying, how not to speak in this new covenant? Say, not to speak. Oh, I mean, you, I can rest on this passage for about a couple of sessions, but we are not going to go to. It says, how not to speak in this new covenant? See, that's why when we pray, we have to also pray correctly right now, correct? How not to speak? There's no point speaking and not speaking correctly. How not to speak? How not to speak? So he's saying, how not to speak? Do not say, you're fine, now you're saying, but do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? Ah, so you see, there is this category of people who in the operation of faith is, try, is trying to say how I can be more righteous on my own. Who, do you remember somebody else way past before said I will ascend to the most high. Why? Because he said I will be like the most high. Because he now is being proud. He is pride because he thinks that by his works that is why the Bible says he's surrounded by all his works. Because he was a work-oriented guy. He was work-driven. And he felt that the more he achieved for God, that he can be like God in his righteousness. So he exalted himself because he said, I will ascend to the high by virtue of his by virtue of his works, by virtue of his doings. So now you no point speaking, saying, I will ascend to the high. What does it do to Christ's work? It, what does it do? It is to bring Christ down from above. That means you are trying to say that Christ, Christ, Christ's work is low. Means I can exalt my work. Christ doesn't have to come down from heaven. He doesn't have to come down. He doesn't have to do it. That means you are undermining the work of Christ when you depend on your righteousness to exalt yourself. Now this is powerful, right? It is so discreet, but it never comes to you like in black and white. The enemy doesn't throw performance at you in black and white. He throws you very slyly. He's, he's, he makes you speak in your heart. Did you see that question? What does it say? He doesn't say, nobody speaks these things loudly. See, these, these thoughts of pride are not loud. They are spoken in your heart. It says in your heart, it says, you know, this covenant says, but it says in your heart that, you know what, I can do it. I can do it. You know, I can, I can, I can, if I, you know. Can you repeat that question? We are undermining the work of Christ. You are undermining the finished work of Christ. When we exalt our righteousness about Christ, our performance. So do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above. Oh! Now this is another thing. Which is a major problem with a lot of believers. Right? A lot of believers, a lot of Christians. Or do not say who will descend into the abyss. Now, who would ever say who will descend into the abyss? And you see, because again that is said in the heart. I will suffer. I will suffer man. I will suffer. You know, my sins are caused for this. I deserve this. 
You know what? You want to take all the sufferings of Christ. And that is, you don't think that is more prevalent? Actually, both are prevalent. So you have this pride of your works, and then there is this pride of paying the price. Write it down. The price, the pride of works, and the pride of price, paying the price. And that is so discreet. I mean, it is so common, and you'll hear it in preaching, you'll hear it in everything. You know, suffer for Christ. Suffer for Christ. I mean, I agree you need to suffer for Christ, for the gospel's sake, whatever happens to you. But, so, are you trying to go into the abyss for your salvation now? Is that what you're here to see? Because Paul is now trying to basically give you complete extremes. Either you're going to go all the way to heaven with your works, or you want to really go down to hell and pay the punishment for your sins. Like Judas did. He said, I want to go into the abyss. Isn't it? Didn't he do that? Didn't he say in his heart? Was that pride? Was that pride? Was what Judas did pride? Or was it repentance? Repentance masquerading as pride masquerading as repentance. Write it down. Pride, when it, when it masquerades as repentance, is equally deceiving. Because it makes it feel that you are remorseful for your sins. You are remorseful for what has happened and you are ready to pay the price. Because now you are saying, I will go down into the abyss. I will go down into the abyss. But the, the righteousness that comes from faith does not speak in this way. You see the I mean, the problem is we, we speak, we pray, but our prayers are connected with pride. <coughs> pride of our works or pride of our ability to pay the price. I mean, this is so pol political to speak. What I'm saying is this understanding I want to pay the price for Christ. Can you show me verse and scripture in the Bible which says that I need to pay the price for Christ? But yet, haven't we heard that? Haven't we heard that? But where is the scripture that you would pay the price for Christ? See, descending into the abyss for Christ's sake. Not for Christ's sake, for your own suffering. But this is, what does it that do? It brings Christ up from the dead. Means trying to say that his sacrifice was not enough. One, it says that his righteousness was not enough. Second, it says his sacrifice was not enough. See, see, see with Christ, both the important virtues were important for God, for this atonement to happen to us. Number one was his righteousness. If he was not blameless and perfect, he could not be exalted and raised up. Correct? If he had not paid the full price in his body and in his soul, he could not have paid the punishment for it. So both the righteousness of God, righteousness of Jesus Christ, and the sufferings of Jesus Christ, both the death of Jesus Christ, that four things, both are critical in this new in this new covenant. Amen? So when you try to undermine either one of those virtues, that is why the 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 offering of Jesus Christ cannot be portrayed in one offering. So therefore they had a sin offering, they had a burnt offering, they had a meal offering. Because not one offering could capture all what Christ did on the cross. But when you try to undermine either one, you undermine the work of Christ. Correct? So, so but, but he says, but if you confess with your mouth, 
in your heart and believe in your heart that Christ has raised him from the dead, you will be heard. For with the heart, one believes to righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. Salvation means sozo. That means for everything that you need, speak with your mouth the righteousness of faith. Speak with your mouth. Okay? And then he says, and then how does it close? Verse 13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What's call on the name of the Lord? Means what? Now it is not about what you did or what you suffered. It's about just, 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 just ask. Ask the Lord to heal. Ask the Lord to save. Ask the Lord to bless. Ask, don't try to come to God saying, Lord, how many years have I suffered? <laughs> have you prayed like that? Think abyss, abyss, abyss. Next time when you pray like that, you start hearing abyss like going on. <laughs> How many times have I suffered? How many years should I bear with him? You know, him or her. You can... <laughs> You're thinking abyss. Don't come to God with abyss mentality. Or say, Lord, you know what? I have kept communion for the last one week. <laughs> See how pride can masculine in various ways of performance. He's like, Lord, I prayed last one week. I witnessed last one week. I shared the gospel. Now I deserve to be blessed. Now think that you are trying to bring Christ down. See how deceitful this thing is? This word of faith, righteousness from faith, speaks plainly and plays openly and says, call on him. Don't come to him undermining his finished work or his sufferings. Wow. You waste a lot, you spare a lot of wasted hours of stupid prayers and agony. Why, why did I take this passage? Because it, it belittles your zeal. It has a zeal, but without knowledge. Just like Israel had it. But we don't recognize it in us. We have a zeal and an energy to serve God, to pursue Him for the things of God, but not without knowledge. And then he says, verse 14, how then shall they call on him whom who they can believe? And then he says, then he goes on to say how it's important. For faith comes without hearing, it comes with hearing and hearing the word of God. Very important. You cannot ask if you're not found, you're not rooted in the apostles' doctrine. Faith comes from hearing. And because you have faith, you can ask. You see how this connected? Okay, very, very important. Okay. Okay, so we talked about Romans chapter 10. The privilege to ask the Father directly and confidently is the greatest privilege in the new covenant. One of the greatest privileges. Not the greatest. One of the greatest privileges in the new covenant. I want you to go to uh, Okay. I want you to go to Matthew chapter Matthew chapter 5. If you want to drink something or get up and do something, feel free to do that. Because I think it's good to just get a foundation of it, just get, get you established because I've not even covered the heart that you will shout with joy. I've not even come to that part. We're still at... 
Which one? Yes, that is why I'm going to give you the good news. The good news has not come. So please, the, the operation, operation has just started. You're still under anesthesia. You're still starting to open up. Please, 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 just hang in there, right? We just started because the good part is coming, man. Good part is coming. But now I'm getting the, the, how important prayer is. But I want you to tell you the good news. The good news is something else. But let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 is God, Jesus, exalting the law to a corrupted, uh, to a, a law which is corrupted by, 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 by Israel. He exalts it way above it. Says the standard of the law is very high. If you, this is the passage where about beatitudes and if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and if you look at, you know, stuff like that. Your hand causes you to sin, cut it off and stuff like that. Love your enemies and love your Lord and all kinds of things. So, so if, you, if you look at a Bible and if you have a red-lettered Bible, you will see that this is one of the passages that has the most red letters, right? It's almost like three, pass, three pages. You don't have that, right, George? But three pages of red letters. And if you look at this, look at that. He's just exalting the law. He's exalting the law. He's exalting the law. And finally, it ends in Matthew chapter 7. 5, 6, 7 is Jesus speaking, exalting the law, correct? See how he ends. So after saying all this, he, Matthew chapter 7 starts by saying, judge not, and you will not be judged with the same judgment. So he's trying to say, man, you don't try to judge anybody because you all guys are equally worse. If you try to judge others, the demons or whatever, they will use the judgment that you use against you. And we studied that in one of the other passages. I mean, if you, because if you're, if you're under, under the law, be very careful to judge anybody. Because now you're opening yourself to condemnation against you. And that's why you see that. Many times what you condemn others, those things happen to you. Because now you are operating under the law. Correct? And you start receiving the barbs. Remember Mount Sinai? Anybody who touched that Mount Sinai, what happened? God said, shoot them with arrows. That's why the arrows that come from the enemy are people who keep touching Mount Sinai and playing around with Mount Sinai. They play around with the law. You touch it, you get shot. Because you cannot condemn anybody because you use the law to condemn. But guess what? The law will come back and attack you. But you constantly do that. Okay, but so Jesus finally, he says, and finally, judge not, and finally he says, in verse 6, and finally he says, ask and it shall be given to you. He says, you have a choice. Either you can keep all this, the law, or you can ask. And then he says, ask and it will be given to you. Knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him it will be knocked and be opened. And then he starts using a parallel. And he's trying to open their mind about how God is. He says, which of you, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your father, children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? See? See, he says, now he's saying, now he's moving away from the law. And he says, why don't you just ask the father? Why don't you just ask, ask the father? Why don't you just ask the father? Just ask. Hey, why don't, why do you go through, keep the law, keep the judgments, keep, keep love in your, welcome Marsha. Okay. So why don't you say, but cut, cut to the chase and just ask. Why don't you just ask? Say ask. Ask. Ask and, and he says, 
if you, if you then being evil, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Good things. Ask. Ask. You want righteousness by faith, isn't it? That's what you want, right? Because Jesus said in verse 32, 33, he said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Correct? So they know that. They know that. Jesus says, get this righteousness of God and everything will be added to you. And they get it. They found it. But the problem is, how do we get this righteousness of God? Good. It's a good answer. Seek the first, the righteousness of God and all these things shall be added to you. Cool. But how do we get this righteousness? Do we get this righteousness from the law or do we get the righteousness by faith? Correct? We know that if we have righteousness of God, we will get everything that the Gentiles seek up. How many of you all knew that? Because the Bible says, God knows that you need them even before you ask them. So let me ask you a question. If God is so good and he knows that he needs all these things even before you ask them, then why doesn't he just give it to you? Let me see who can answer that question. If God knows what you need, because Jesus said, he knows what you already need even before you ask them. But he says, seek ye the righteousness of God and all these things shall be added to you. Right? Then if God knows that you need all these things, that, that what the Gentiles seek after, that you need. So now there's no problem with the fact that you, have, you need a big house. Correct? Jesus never condemned that. In fact, today your eyes would be blown open on what this, I mean, there's so much stuff. There are these 15 messages in my spirit right now, but I'm not going to go there. What I'm saying is, but why doesn't God just give this? Stuff to you. If he knows that you need these, you need these things even before you ask. You know that verse, right? So why doesn't he just give it to you? Let me see. Okay. But no, but he knows that you need it. Why doesn't he just give it? Don't ask for directions. Because it kind of undermines the fact that I need help. Right? Right? Because it, but prayer presupposes a place of humility. You cannot pray if yes, pride. Prayer, prayer presupposes the fact that. So, but I've been saying, but why can't God just give stuff to you even though you need it? Why? Because you do not have righteousness. Remember, the Bible says Jesus is very clear. Ah, it's beautiful. Isaiah says, God's ear is not hard of hearing that he cannot hear you. His hands are not short that he cannot help you. He knows that you need it, but your sins have separated you from him. Amen? So God has a problem that unless you are righteous, you cannot get my stuff. Let's put it that way. Because only my children receive my stuff. God cannot take what belongs to his children and give 
can be adopted, but then not, not a child. But if you are there, you are the same substance, right? Same essence, you are born of it, same image of it. You have to be the righteousness of that. That is why Jesus said, Seek ye first the righteousness of God, and then what? All this cattle, all the stuff, all the clothing, everything will be yours. Because that is my house. That is why the man, the, the father told the eldest son, everything that I have is yours. His problem was what? His problem was pride because he did not want to pray. Because he didn't want to ask. He could have asked for the factory cow anytime. He never asked. He never got. He decided that, so father is thinking that maybe this guy likes outdoor activities more than indoor activities. Who never knew that the problem is this guy is bitter. He is thinking that the father doesn't love him. But the, all the time the problem is that he doesn't know his rights and privileges as the son of the house. You see that thing? So, so, he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. See, unless you are the righteousness of God, you cannot, don't expect to get anything from God. Okay? So that's settled. You cannot receive anything from God unless you have the righteousness of God. Okay? So how do we get this righteousness? There are two ways to get this righteousness. Right? Matthew chapter 4, 5, sorry, 5, 6, 7, big long chapter of red letter words say that God, Jesus gives them two options. Just like he gave God gave Israel the option at Mount Sinai. He gave them two options, right? God gave them the option saying, either you become, you obey my voice and follow my covenant of Abraham and I will be your God and you will be my child and you can walk into this promised land. Or, and he did not even give them the other option. They chose the other option. They said, we will do it. We will do everything. But Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, 6, 7 showed them both the options. He said, Either you follow the law completely, because he says in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, be perfect as the Father in heaven is perfect. And we try to grapple with these words and try to run around this and try to jump. And many times Christians have stumbled over chapter 5, 6, and 7. Mahatma Gandhi himself stumbled on chapter 5, 6, and 7. Because everybody likes these good, nice teachings of Jesus, but Jesus is not giving good teachings out here. He's exalting the law so high that no man can ever keep it. So when Mahatma Gandhi wrote that book, My Experiments with Truth, he was trying to exalt his morality over everything else. Because he was trying to see how much, how much can I be tempted. So there's a um, uh, uh, instance there, I'm, I've read about it, but I've not read the book itself, but he said, he slept with a naked girl just to see whether he can be tempted because he's trying to control his passions and his morality. See that thing? I will exalt your righteousness, your morality above that is to bring Christ down. The righteousness that comes from faith does not speak like this in your heart. Who will rise up from heaven? You cannot exalt your righteousness that to receive this righteousness of heaven. You cannot. But God, Jesus, had Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 gives him the option. He says, if you want to keep this morality, then you cannot sin with your eyes. If you're going to sin with your eyes, you're going to pluck it out. If you're going to do something with your hand, you're going to cut it out. So either you come by that gate, and then he closes with this verse. He says, enter by this gate. Try, try, try entering by this gate. Very few make it. <laughs> Jesus is like, and we try to go through that gate. You cannot enter through that gate, brother. Jesus saying a rich 
can never enter through the gate. If you are rich, you cannot enter through the gate. Why? Because you are rich, you got possessions, because you do not have your neighbor as yourself, therefore you are not giving your possessions to your neighbor, therefore you are sinful and you are dead. Simple. Jesus never said, no rich man can ever enter the kingdom of God. Why? Because if you are rich, you do not love your neighbor. That's what the liberals say, right? You need to be taxed so much. Right? That's what, what, that's what the liberals say. Because they are trying to create a morality that is based on their efforts. Let's, let's wait. So, he's trying to exalt. So, that's it. Receive this. So, then did Jesus finally conclude. And this is so beautiful. And if you can see the gospel in this light of this truth of your books, the receiving it by faith, you will, the whole Bible opens up. The whole Bible, right from the sacrifice of Cain and Abel. Abel was trying to bring his own works. Cain, uh, sorry, Cain was trying to bring his own works while Abel was bringing the sacrifice lamp. It starts from there. It starts from there. This whole business of this choice. Do you want to use your works or do you want to pray? So prayer is not part of the works. You see this? So that's why he ends with prayer. So, so, so Jesus continues Matthew chapter 5, and says, so now you have a choice. Either you can do this being perfect as your father in heaven is perfect or ask. Ask like a child ask the father. Which of you having been evil do not give good gifts to your father? How much more the father in heaven will give good gifts to those who ask him? And under the gospel it says, which of you if the <coughs> how will not the father in heaven give the Holy Spirit? So he let me ask you this. Which is bigger, Cain's or the Holy Spirit? Is it even possible for the Father in heaven to give the Holy Spirit to an unjustified, unclean, unrighteous human being? The Holy Spirit could never settle down on him. You know the Holy Spirit is a picture of the dove and Noah sent the dove out. It never rested. It came back. Because there was no righteous on the earth. Finally, the mention of the doubt that rested is mentioned when Jesus was baptized. And the declaration came from heaven and said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The declaration of righteousness for the first time in the history of man occurred on the banks of Jordan. And only, this is so good, only after the declaration of righteousness did the Holy Spirit reside in Jesus. See how critical is righteousness to the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you see that? Without the presence, without righteousness, perfect righteousness, not righteousness that is good. I mean, overall are good. I mean, you talk to any Hindu, overall they are good. Right? Or any Muslim, they will say, overall I am good. I am pretty much overall I am a good guy. I'm, I'm basic, this is the word that they use. I'm basically a good guy. <laughs> Have you heard that? I'm basically a good guy. There is no basic goodness with God. There is only perfect righteousness. And the Holy Spirit cannot be given to an unrighteous person. That is why when many people come to Jesus in the last day and say, Lord, Lord, you have preached in our streets. We have done this, we have done that. You know why? And Jesus says, you who practice lawlessness, because they were depending on your works to get to heaven, but they never received the sacrifice of Jesus. 
because Jesus spoke in Capernaum, he spoke in Nazareth. In fact, he sent out 70 disciples. Who, they did not believe in Jesus, but it was delegated authority and power, and they went and healed. But, and the Bible says after that, many of them stopped following Jesus. When he started to tell them that I am the bread of life. Remember, see, they started sounding that big time because they were, as long as they were doing the works of God, and they were, they were happy, but the moment when they had to receive Jesus by faith, they stumbled. And Jesus, and, and, uh, and Jesus offers the final thing. Okay, now you have a choice. You can ask. Why don't you just ask, right? Ask this Father, and He will give you the Holy Spirit. Guess what? So prayer is asking. Prayer is asking. And the disciples could not pray till this incident happened. And I want you to go to the best part. Go to John chapter... John chapter uh, 16. Okay, let's go to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Okay, let's go to John chapter 14. Let's do that. John chapter 14. Okay. Now here is an incident where Philip, Philip, Philip is telling, show us the Father, coming to Jesus and saying, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. And Jesus in verse 9 says, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. So Jesus is really speaking the, the words of God in heaven. When he was walking on earth, he was speaking God. He was God. He was God speaking. Speaking. He just looked like a carpenter from Nazareth, but he was speaking God's words. He was speaking God's words. Show us the Father. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The works that I, the words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or believe the work. Believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Verse 12. Most assuredly I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these that he will do because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything, if you ask, I mean, not even qualified. This is not even qualified. If you ask anything in my name, ask will do it. Correct? You got it? Okay. Look at the good part. So Jesus says, ask. You ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Right? And now, now the question that you all asked, if prayer is so complicated, how can we ask? Because we cannot ask with pride, we cannot ask this, because you know, we have to ask correctly. We have to ask correctly. How do we do it? Right? Jesus immediately, for the first time, one of the first incidents where he expounds, one of the first, very first incidents where he expounds the work of the Holy Spirit. He says, suddenly, if you love me, keep the commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. He is now going to give you a helper to ask. You can't read that, do you? He says, I'm going to give you a helper, right? Look at that. I will, he will give you a helper, and he will abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, which the world cannot receive. We just, we just proved that. World is not righteous, cannot receive the Holy Spirit, but you can receive. 
because he is neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you i will not leave you orphans i will come to you okay let's read verse this verse 23 if anyone loves me he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him what did moses say about grace how will the world know that I have I and the people have found grace unless you do not go with us. See, grace necessitates the presence of God. That's the only way the world will know that God, you have found grace in His sight. Moses' words. Moses said, "See now, see because when the Holy Spirit is given, He says, 'I we will come and dwell we.'" Have you read that verse before? We have read that. Do you know? Do you know what is the intel? We will dwell with you. We, I mean, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit dwells with you. More powerful than the temple. More powerful than the tabernacle, where the presence would go in and out. In you, He comes and dwells with you, as tabernacle with you. He dwells with you. So the so the second part of this covenant that we have is you can pray, you can ask, and He sends a professional asker for you. How do we know that? Let's go to Romans chapter eight. Let's quickly go to Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight. Verse twenty-five. Now, if we hope for what we do not see, that feels. If you hope for what we do not see, that feels like what? Huh? If you hope for what we do not see, feels like faith. Correct? Correct? Good. We eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Correct? Correct? You're good. So, if you can see it, if we cannot see it, but we are hoping for it, it has not happened yet, but we are perceive. We perceive it. Correct? So, what has happened in the Before this, how do you see it? Because you prayed, correct? You prayed. You saw it. You you saw that it has been given. It's been received, right? But it, it's not manifested yet. But you are now hoping for it. And in the middle, in while it is still not manifested, you are waiting, correct? Do you need help during this process? How many of you need help in this process? <laughs> I'm just saying I need help in this process. I'm telling you, I need help in this process. This whole process of asking is great, but what about asking and believing that it has already been received and not seeing it manifested, but knowing that it has been manifested, that you discover that expectation of hope and persevering through it. How many of you need help? Seriously, I need help even to ask. Right? Who who recognizes this? Look at Paul. Likewise, likewise, the spirit. Also helps in our. Now, many times I've read this passage and never understood what this weakness is about. The many times you've heard that we are weak, we are sinful. No, 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 no. We just clarified the fact that the Holy Spirit cannot dwell with you unless you are righteous. Done. You are not sinful, right? You are other person. So that weakness is wrong understanding of the gospel of truth. In the new covenant, in the new covenant, God has why put away your sin. He's put away and does not remember. He's put away. So you're no, you're in, in, 
Christ, you are a new creation. How can the Godhead dwell in a vessel of sin? That's why 1 John is so clear. He who is in Christ does not sin. I mean, we, we have a tough time accepting this gospel, but it is a gospel. In Christ, we are a new creation. Okay, we'll handle that holy cow later on, right? But let's, let's now stick to that. So what weakness is the Holy Spirit going to help us with? Let's read it further. For the Holy, for the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. For, thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Because for the first time Paul is trying to explain this weakness. What weakness is this? For, we do not know what we should pray. Thank you. I agree. We do not know what we need to pray. Because like the elder son, we may think that we are only entitled to working and laboring. Why? The son, the father is thinking fatted calf and party. The elder son is thinking hard work and labor. So the problem is not the goodness of the father. The, the problem is not the provision that, of the father. The, the uh, problem is not the willingness of the father. So three things are done. So it's not the willingness. It is not the ability, nor or his provision, nor his love. He, he, is, he is able to. But he, he doesn't know how to ask. He's afraid to ask. Isn't it? Isn't the elder son afraid to ask? He's afraid. He's afraid. Because he's afraid, he does not ask. Because he does not ask, he doesn't receive. Because he doesn't receive, he's bitter. You see this progression into bitterness, and I'm, this is going to be major, major, major breakthrough for a lot of you. When you are bitter, you lose your peace. When you lose your peace, the enemy attacks you. How is asking connected to peace in your spirit is so critical. It is a missing link. So let me look at it. So the spirit helps you in your weakness because we do not know how to ask. We do not know how to ask. We do not know what to ask. Can I ask some big things? Sure you can. Why? Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit, He shall take up what is mine and declare it to you. So basically He is like a trustee of the estate. You know the trustee of the estate? They operate, they are generally very wealthy people. They have millions of dollars in estate. They always appoint a trustee. Because their children are not yet mature enough to inherit all their wealth. So the appointed trustee, who is generally a trusted guy that this guy knows, so that when this guy passes away, this trustee will administer the estate for this young child. So the young child doesn't know how much he can ask. Can I drive a BMW? Can I drive a Rolls Royce? Can I buy a big house? The trustee can tell him, yes, your father has enough money. Why don't you ask for it? Can I go to Harvard? Sure you can. You have enough money to send you to Harvard. You know, can I... So the trustee is making known to the son the things that belong to the father. Get it? So the Holy Spirit is your trustee. He will take off what is mine and declare it to you so that you can ask. See, because if the son says, I do not want to drive a BMW. So what's your problem? I like an ambassador card because I'm into antiques. So what? The trustee wants to give you what you want because your joy should be full. The reason God answers prayers 
is because he wants your joy to be full. Not because God is trying to prove some big thing in your life. That he can do stuff. No. God just wants to make you happy. Why do we bless our children with good gifts? Why? If we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more the Father in heaven loves to give good gifts to his children? Doesn't he want to give good gifts? But, but if the child says, I, Daddy, I hate that car. I hate this gold-plated bronzer. I mean, the father, no, the father is like, I am not into gold-plated things. I like crow. Professional. He's an asker, and God knows that he you need help. 
need help to ask. I'm telling you, the biggest problem that we have is we don't ask. Do you want to prove it through scripture? How many of you want to see it through scripture? Let's go to James. Quickly. Let's go to James chapter. James chapter 4. Why do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. Now he's writing to the Jews who have not accepted Jesus. He's asking, writing to Jews. Remember that same Matthew 5, 5, 6, 7 crowd. It's the same crowd because James opens up his epistle by saying, if you read chapter 1, verse 1, James, a bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes. To the 12 tribes. He's writing to Jews. Because there's a whole bunch of Jews who have not received the gospel of Jesus yet. So he's writing to them, why are you kind of fighting still? Why do wars and fights come from among you? Do, not, do they not come from your desire for pleasure to war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet, you cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. Ask! What do you want? Ask! You, do not, you ask and you do not receive because you ask incorrectly. The word amiss is wrong translation in, in New Kingdom's version. I looked at the Greek. The Greek says evil. It's the same word for corruption. You ask sickly. That means you are asking evilly. Why? Because they are asking apart from Christ. See, you cannot come to God without the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You cannot. When you come to God apart from Jesus Christ, you cannot hope to receive anything from Him. It's very powerful because you think, oh no, God is good. He will just, just why don't you just pray to God? No! People are praying to God all over the world. Why is the world not better? People are praying in temples, in mosques, in synagogues. People are praying to God all over the world. But they don't receive because they are asking incorrectly. They are asking evilly because they are presupposing that their righteousness can bring them in covenant with their God. But they cannot. You cannot bypass Jesus. That is to bring Christ down or to raise him up back from the dead. You see the pride that brings, I do not want Jesus, but I will pray to God. But yet God is merciful, right? Therefore he still pours rain on the wicked and the just. Why? Because he is trying to draw them with his goodness. But don't expect to receive anything from God apart from Christ. You ask MS. But, but that's the same thing called uh, true for a believer. Yes, you don't ask, you don't receive, you don't have, because you don't want to ask. Even when you have a professional asker that God has sent in your spirit and says, He will. Now let's go back to Romans chapter. Romans chapter this. Romans chapter 8. Likewise, the spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself. Hallelujah! The Spirit Himself. He's not even asking you. The Spirit Himself, just like salvation, that Jesus Himself came down. God Himself gave His Son. Jesus Himself laid down His life. And the Holy Spirit Himself does the role of praying. Wow! I mean, this is grace. Hallelujah! This is grace. He Himself. He Himself. He himself 
makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. For he searches the hearts, knows what the mind of the spirit is. Mind means, remember, he knows what the father like, knows. He knows the mind of the spirit means, he knows, he knows what the father, he knows what you like. The word, I think this word spirit here, it should be small letter, but you can verify that in the Greek, but it's talking about your human spirit. He knows what you want, what is good for you. At the same time, he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. See, many times we consider the will of God as being, you know, you want a big house, but God wants to give you an apartment. You know, that's an understanding of the will of God, right? God doesn't want you to be very joyful, correct? That's the will of God. It's exactly the opposite. You want this, but God wants to give you much more. He, for he is able to give you exceedingly, abundantly more than you can. Well, hold it, hold it, hold it. Abundantly more than you can think and ask. So is it important to ask? He is able to give you abundantly more than you can ask. He is able. So ability is not his problem. So what is the problem? So let me take the, let me ask this question. If a if a father is able to bless you, but he doesn't bless you, what does that mean? Huh? So that I know. He's not willing, but what is that reflect of the father? He's able but not willing. No, what does it reflect of the father? I'm glory. 
glorified. Hallelujah. Because <laughs> I'm a good father, right? I'm a good father. Man, I'm a good father. But, but if you're not, but I'm saying the problem, so, but we can only give of what we have received. Amen? Obviously, we cannot take a credit card and pay. That is stupid, you know? But we can only give what we have received. Amen? But, look at it. Bible says, this father is abundantly able to give more than you can ask. And then if he doesn't give, be it. There's a problem with this father. So God says, the only problem is there's no problem with the father. The, pro the problem is then obviously with whom? Is the asking part. So he says, I'll send you a professional asker. God wants you to be a PA. You know what's a PA? you to be a PA, not physician assistant, a prolific asker, a PA. God wants you to constantly ask. Because in this new covenant, it's a privilege to keep asking. And because he says, man, you're not asking me enough. I think I need to send you help. <laughs> so he says, he sends a Holy Spirit who knows how to ask. Because he knows the mind of the Spirit and he knows the will of the Father. The will of the Father is so good. All the cattle on a thousand hills, He wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. But He just, man, I don't want to give you. I, don't, I cannot give you unless you ask me. That's why He brought Abraham out of the tent. And He says, can you believe that I can give you all these nations? And He's like, seriously? I'm just like one, one old man with camels and one get, And you're telling me that my, my, out of me will come all these nations? Billions of people, just, just believe it. Lord, you can do it. I, God said, I can do it. He says, okay, I believe it. He's, he's operating in the covenant of what, in what we are supposed to operate, the Abrahamic covenant, which is the covenant of grace in Christ Jesus. We can ask. And the Holy Spirit, He makes intercession for us according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good. You see, things happen around us because He's filling us because. Good things happen in our life because somebody is continuously asking. Right. So we want to obviously one man cannot marry ten women because he cannot go and say, okay, you know.
because we are not asking to spend it on our lust and our evil desires. That is for people who are outside of the gospel. Outside of the gospel. Who have not received this new heart. seek a will of God saying that you know should I go here should I go there no no what you feel led by the Holy Spirit on your own do it flow freely in uh, in in the presence of God because the Holy Spirit dwells in you see the prop in before the old covenant God was external to you so you had to go and seek him out you have to ask the priest what do I do like the kings when they have to go for battle they have to ask the priest and they would pray and they would say should I go up or should I withdraw? You see that thing? You never see that in the, in, in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit will guide you. He restrained me. He prevented me. A door was opened for me. You see, the Holy Spirit is now just like he did with Israel in the desert. You see, Israel in the desert did not wake up in the morning and say, Do you think uh, right side is good or left side is good? No. What did they do? They followed the cloud. Because the presence of God was dwelling in the cloud. Where the cloud was, they went. Now, for them, the cloud was external. But for you, that cloud is internal. So what you are led is what the will of God is. Now, this appears strange because it makes you know, you will then be tempted to do. Then, then you have to see whether you are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. There's a spirit. I mean, is your spirit even redeemed? That you're starting to feel like, I want to do the less. That is, the Bible says, if you are under grace, sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are no longer walking by. Because now, now there is no law given. Because the Holy Spirit writes this in your heart. He heart? See, now, I know. I know, we heard a message that my Aiken heart, that Aiken heart, that's not a good title. We do not have a deceitful heart. We do not have a deceitful heart. Because God has transposed that heart out completely. Completely. He has given us a new heart. It's the old covenant where a heart was always deceitful above all things. But in the new heart, he says, I will take a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. See, he even transposed the heart. So now the feelings that you have within you are the good feelings. The feelings to do the will of God. So don't constantly, God, should I wear this shirt? Should I wear this pant? Should I? No, people do that. things in life, you know. Yeah, so ask. Francis. So I was going to say to you what he was saying. You know, when you make a decision, especially important decision, like you yeah. said, you will have the peace of God in your life, Correct. in your heart. You will know That's it. That's the best way yeah. you can go wrong. The Bible says. What circumstances are. He says you shall be led forth by peace in this new covenant. Ah, we have been told for a long time. Oh, don't depend on just peace in your heart. Your peace is deceived. Your heart is deceitful. Wrong. Deep old covenant. Under the old covenant, you could not go by feelings because David stood on the terrace and went by feelings. It was a nice day. I feel good. But no, in the new covenant, you will be led forth by peace. The peace of God will drive you. He will tell you, no, 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 this is ah, I just don't feel. I, I don't feel like no. Just don't do it. Cool. Enjoy life in Christ Jesus. And all things work together for good. You see, now you don't have this consultation. Did I make a right choice? Did I not make a right choice? Did I make a right mistake? Oh, now this, as charismatic believers, we used to have this crazy thing, you know, am I missing God's will in my life? You know what I'm saying? No! 
dwelling with you. Can I repeat it? How can you miss the will of God in your life when the Godhead dwells with you? So are you now trying to say me that the, the moment you make a wrong choice, the Godhead, whoa! <laughs> All the three of them just disappeared? No! no Jesus is very clear to the churches in Revelation. He says, I have made, I, you have kept my word and I will make your pillar and you shall go out no more. Man, you are a pillar in the house of God. You know what a pillar is? Oh, we, you know, we, we, we had this wonderful uh, sharing. You know, we, you know, we had some discussions in our house. Let's say intense discussions. So I felt bad. I don't know whether you felt bad and Joshua felt bad. And, you know, so I felt, I felt bad. So I was like, man, what's this? I, I should, should not be speaking like this. I don't think that was good. So God was reminding me, Anil, doesn't matter whether you feel bad, you feel good. Guess what? You're a pillar in the house. Next day when you're morning, he's a pillar in the house. You're a pillar in the house. You're all there in the house. No one is going anywhere. It's like a pillar in this house. I am here. Milu is here. Josh is here. Joanna is here. Whether we fight, we quarrel, we angry with each other. Guess what? When morning comes, where are we? In the house. When Jesus says, I made your pillar in my house and you shall go out no more, you are thinking, what is the civil construction language that is coming? Because he knows, if you say that I have kept you in the house, you will say, no, I can walk out. <laughs> so Jesus is very smart. He's saying, I will, I will use a terminology. So, that is so hard for them to stay in unbelief. So if I say that I have made a pillar in my temple, what does that mean? If the pillar has to walk out, what happens to the temple? Means the impossibility of the situation of you not being in the will of God. You got the point? You are in the temple. This temple is not going in there because for the for a change. Remember, in grace, you the God dwells with you. Essential elements of grace. The presence of God has to be with you. Moses words. Second, you can ask God directly. Without a mediator. But the Holy Spirit helps you to ask. Helps. He can, so that's the first thing. First thing when Jesus said in John chapter 14, He said, Whatever you ask, I'll give you. Next verse, what did He say? Huh? I said, I will send you my Holy Spirit. He, he, he straight away knew. If you have to ask and I have to do it, and I have to do the works of God, you need the Holy Spirit to ask. Okay, let's go back to John chapter 16. Quickly. I want you to get so established in this asking business. I want you to get so established because I'll tell you something very... We have, I think the good part is here, but there is a little bit more very important aspect that I want you to listen to it and don't leave before without listening to it. John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Did you get it? So everybody needs to pick that verse because John chapter 16 is very powerful. John chapter 16 is powerful, 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 powerful. John chapter 16. Everybody got John chapter 16? Brooklyn. John chapter 16, verse 22. He's just talking about a woman who's just given birth to a child. And he says, you are so much sorrow, but now when you look at the child, there's so much joy. And you forget all the pain, right? So much joy. 
so much joy, so much joy. Just and only a woman can say that. Men, we are like, <coughs> I mean, we are the same before and after also, right? So now we don't have to run around and buy all this food that you wanted. Huh? Diapers. Okay, now we have a new job. Diapers. Okay, but joy. So he's focusing on this joy that the woman has when he's just given birth. Focus on the joy, right? Say joy. 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 Okay. Then verse 22. Therefore, you now have sorrows before Jesus. Before Jesus, uh, Jesus is about to leave them and go to the cross. But I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice. Say rejoice. Joy. And your joy. Say joy. joy. Who can take away? Who can take away? Who can take away? No one! No one can take away your joy. No one! But this is Jesus' words. When? When, can, when will this joy come and when will nobody can take away? After Jesus raises, nobody can take away this joy. Okay? Now listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. On that day, on that day, on that day when this event happens, he's talking about a born again experience, correct? To the disciples, it means when they, Jesus is risen. That is when they are born again, right? They would not be born again if Jesus is risen. You know, that was when, that's why Jesus in the upper room said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So remember that, that very small verse in John or somewhere? And the upper room he said, After he had come, after he had come, after he had resurrected, he said, Receive his breath upon them and receive the Holy Spirit. Because he could not put the Holy Spirit on them. Because remember why he could not put the Holy Spirit on them? Class, why could they not put the Holy Spirit on them? Huh? Yeah. He had not yet ascended then. Yeah, he had ascended. But see, they were not yet righteous because their, their penalty was not paid. Remember, Holy Spirit cannot... Remember, I'll tell you why it is so important for you to know. The fact that you have the Holy Spirit is an evidence of your righteousness. That is an evidence of the Holy Spirit cannot dwell in an unrighteous person. Okay, that's not the point. Okay, so uh, on that day, verse 23, in that day you will ask me what? Hold it. I thought we are supposed to ask Jesus a lot of things. He says, in that day, that means when you receive the Holy Spirit, when your heart is full of joy, you will ask me nothing. Okay, let's read this further. Most assuredly, most assuredly, now he's saying, Amen, Amen. In Greek, it means Amen, Amen. When he's like, Jesus is absolutely sure. He says, Amen, Amen, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will, He will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. So, what is he talking about? So, when he says, you have asked nothing in, the, in my name, what is he meaning? But they did ask a lot of things. Like, when they asked the Lord, the people, the people. Okay. So, actually, they did ask. I mean, the disciples asked all the time. The disciples constantly asked. I mean, if there was no food, they would go to Jesus. If the, the, the woman with a uh, son who was demon possessed, they went and asked Jesus. If the Greeks wanted to meet Jesus, they would ask Jesus
Let's read it again. Huh? Yes, Sushil, what are you doing out there, man? You need to come here. We need some input out here. See, we never did that. Hold it, hold it. You all need to get this really hard. This is so, so vitally important. They never, they never, who is saying this? Not me. Jesus. They never, never, never ask the Father. They never ask the Father. Why did they not ask the Father? What's that? No, 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 no. They did not ask the Father. Why? Didn't you ask the Father? They had no relationship with the Father. They were dreadful of the Father. In fact, they were dreadful under the law. The relationship with the Father was a relationship. You better be perfect as a Father. Heaven. They had no way they had a relationship with this father. They cannot. Seek ye for the righteousness of God. He didn't say, Seek ye for the righteousness of the father. See, father is an endearing term, right? But the righteousness is a hard rule. You can go to father in mercy, but to God, in his role as God, he has to be just and perfect. So they couldn't go to father. They didn't have a relationship. On what basis will they go to the father? They didn't ask. They said, like, how can, how can, we never, we cannot ask. But we know God answers your prayers. So they, what they would do was, Jesus, the disciples were smart, right? They know that they could not ask the father because, you know, they, they, they didn't have faith. They didn't have a relationship. They, they, in fact, what is the first response of Peter when Jesus, his boat was sinking with fish? What is the first response of Peter? He fell down at his knees and departs from me for I am a sinful man. See the response of a sinful man to a father is what? Fear. That is why when Moses brought the law to Israel, Israel sent a delegation to Moses and I don't have time to talk about it but it is in Deuteronomy. He said, Moses is writing about all that happened on that day. It's powerful. You should read that. You should read that. You should read that. There's a verse in that passage in Deuteronomy that says that God made a covenant with you not as a covenant that your fathers had. Wow. I thought God was having one covenant with your own covenant. This is the words of Moses. He said God made a covenant with you not as your fathers. Which covenant was he talking about? He said, that covenant you did not get. You got a different covenant, a covenant of love. And then when these words came to you, you sent me a delegation and told me, let not this God speak to us, for we will die. Let not this God speak to us, for we will die. From then on, and God, and when I told God about this, God told me, this is Moses' words, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it from Deuteronomy God told me they have spoken well. Whoa! Hold it! God is saying what, what they have said is correct. That if they, if, if they speak to me directly, they will. So they are not saying wrong. They are saying correct. That is why every time in the old covenant when an angel showed up to a man, what is the first response of a man? 
If you are saying that I have seen God, I will die. Because in that relationship, depart from me. You see, because the moment when Peter saw that this could be God in his boat, he said, depart from me. Why? Because he will die. In the presence of God. Man, you have to be on that day to see the fish that came in into Peter's boat. Because this guy has fished in Galilee. He knows the conditions there. There was no fish there. So obviously a fish came in that uh, sea. Where did it come from? Where did it come from? Where did it come from? Spontaneous creation going on there. This is Creator God. Did God show up as the Creator God in Peter's boat? Could very well be. We will only know when we reach heaven. No wonder Peter was struggling. Is this the Creator God in my boat? Don't you think it should have been the same fear when the five rows were multiplied? Wasn't that creation going on there? What, was he defining the laws of physics that nothing can be created by nothing? Okay. See, all right. We have studied engineering. We understand the third law. What is which law of dynamics is there? Not second law or the first law. Not the third law. Second law. Where? Hmm? Now, you cannot create from nothing. Yeah. Only God can. So what? There's a creation. This is a creator God in our presence. What I'm saying is, we are the prices. So, but but now 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 see, do you see this thing? You they would not dare ask the father anything. Don't expect to receive anything from this father. They were they spoke correctly that they would see God and they would die. In fact, people die. Constantly people were dying. Everybody in the presence of God they were dying, right? Every time people come and come, like somebody just touched the art to write it. The guy died. People are constantly dying all over the place. Why? Because an unrighteous God, uh, man whose sin is not atoned cannot have a relationship with God. Cannot have a relationship with God. So he says, look at verses. In that day you will ask me nothing, but whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive. That your, not your needs will be met. Not your needs will be met. Jyotsna? Prasad? Manisha? Not your needs will be met. What? That your joy will be full. So can you ask? Say, hey, what's your problem? Why are you asking? Ask! 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 And God says you need help asking. So I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He'll help you in a prayer language that you can ask. You don't even know what to ask. Just pray in the Spirit. Keep praying in the Spirit continuously. You know what? Because the Holy Spirit has the prayer language, that's the only way I can pray in the Spirit. That's the only way I can pray in the Spirit. That's the only way I can pray in the spirit. I can only pray. And many times when I'm when I'm stressed, and I, I you don't do it, right? When you're stressed, when you're anxious, what do you do? You immediately pray in the spirit. I do that all the time, all the time during the day. You're, you're anxious, you're automatically praying in the spirit. Why? 
Because Holy Spirit is asking, asking on your behalf. He's giving you words and he's, you don't even know what to ask. And how much English can you ask? What are you going to ask? You ask for not correctly. You, you ask, you only think God can do this much, but God can do more. So he just gives you a prayer language and he gives it immediately. The Holy Spirit, the first thing the Holy Spirit gave and he gives you is what? He gives you words to ask. The first thing the Holy Spirit does, he gives you, he gives you words. Because the key operation in the old covenant was you shall do. The, the key element in the new covenant is you shall speak. The righteousness that of law speaks. You have to ask. You have to ask. You have to ask. Okay, I want you to quickly and ask that you shall joy shall be full. And then he says, uh, okay, read verse 26 and 27. In that day, again he repeats, in that day, you will ask in my name and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. Wow! Let me tell you a secret. It might sound even strange. You don't even have to go to Jesus to get your prayers answered. Jesus' word. I don't even have to pray for you. And the Bible uses the word ask, pray. It's a different word. It says it's, it's in the context of a guy with great reputation and who has a good friend, he intervenes on his behalf. He says, you know what, yeah, do something for our Do something for George. Because I am a good friend of him and I come to him and say, hey, can you do something for George? And he does it, he does it to him. Why? Because of me. That is the word that is being used. Jesus says, I should not pray the Father for you. That means I don't have to use my influence with the Father for you. You can ask directly in my name. Isn't that cool? Huh? It's already granted. He means you can walk into the access with the Father. Because why? Why? And he explains why. Let's read the next verse. Verse 27. For the Father himself loves you. The Father Himself loves you because you love me and I believe that I come forth from the Father. I come forth from the Father and I come into the world again. I leave the Father and go to the Father. Hallelujah. Ask. For the first time, He says you can ask the Father. So what is it? Can I ask the Father directly? What if I don't use Jesus' name? No problem. Because when you come to the Father, you stand in Jesus. You're already there. So you forget to say the name of Jesus? No. He loves, he himself loves you because you have loved me. You got this point? When you say, I've come in my name, means you have come in Jesus. We are in Christ Jesus. All things are faster. Behold, all things are new. We are in Christ Jesus. So when George comes in my name, he doesn't have to constantly keep coming and telling me, you know what, I'm coming in Anil's name. I'm coming in Anil's name. I know you're coming in Anil's name. That's why you're in my house. Are you going to you? Do you have to remind every five minutes that you are in my son's name? No. The fact that you are in my house, I am. So you see, come in his name. You are in his garments. Like Jacob came in Esau's garments to Isaac and received the blessing. You see that thing picture? It's a classic picture of coming in the name of another and receiving the work, benefit of the works of one. So Esau's works and his birthright came upon Jacob without his works, just because he came in the name of Esau. 
and Isaac had to bless him. Right? Because the father himself loves the son so much and he loved the son. Amen? And I'll close with these three verses. And there are a lot of verses, but we don't have time. That is evident that we don't have time, but, but let's go to the last three verses, which is, I'll, I'll, I kept the best for the last. The best for the last. This is really good. Okay. I want you to go to... First Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5. Before that, can you go to James? I'm going to take three pass, three verses, and this is for me. This is this is good. This is good. I want you, I'm going to give you three verses, and I want you to hear this very carefully. I want you to go to James chapter four, which we went before. James chapter four. Remember, we said you do not receive. Why do wars arise? Why do fights happen? Why there is so much turmoil in your life? Why there is so much turmoil in your life is because you do not have. Correct? You do not have because you do not. As. Done? How many of you accept John, uh, James chapter 4? Very clear. We have settled that case that asking is a problem. Right? Now God has given us the Holy Spirit, we can ask. Okay? Now l- listen to this. Verse 5. Or do they think that the, the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. So the spirit dwells in us. The Holy Spirit dwells in us and he is very passionate for you. He is very passionate for you. Very passionate for you. But he gives more grace. Verse 6. Therefore he says, and he quotes an Old Testament verse. He says, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. How many of you have heard that verse? God resists the, resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. And we've always understood in a context outside of asking. Either you say that I 
that you don't deserve. Correct? That means even when you messed up, you, you expect to receive double. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 30, for your sins, I will give double. Do you know that? God says for your sins, I will give double. That means you, you committed a sin, I'm going to give you double benefit, blessing for you. Why? Because he says, because of Jesus, that the passage is about comfort my people. The salvation has come. Jesus has come. But Jesus. So when, when you have pride, you do not ask. So when God resists the proud, he does not. He hates proud. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. How do I, and we always had a problem. How do I, how do I, how do I bring myself into a posture of humility before God? Because if I can bring myself into a posture of humility before God, I can receive grace. That means I can receive unmerited favor. I want unmerited favor in my life. Amen? Amen? Unmerited favor is what I need in my life. But God will only give unmerited favor to the humble. But how does, how do you bring humility before God? God says simple. What? Ask. When you ask, you submit. Now you see how important it is to ask. 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 So we, I intentionally not use the word prayer in, in today's teaching. Why? Because prayer is corrupted with a lot of religiosity in your life. And you think prayer is this big act of self-righteousness that, you know, you get brownie points with God. No! Ask! The Father, what do you want? I'll give it to you! I don't know how many times I've said the word ask today. <laughs> It is a submission that you submit to God. A submit to The only way. No, no, I'm a humble guy. I wear cheap dress. Or I don't, you know. You know, believers have a false sense of humility about everything. You know, they say, if I don't drive a good car, or if I don't wear a good dress, or, uh, or and it can also be the opposite. If I drive a good car, and if I wear a good dress, I think that I am righteous. You know, both are wrong, right? It has nothing to do with that. God is a soul that us. He who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved is means sozo, means complete. In every area of your life, in your sickness, in your affliction, in your tribulation. Psalms 34. The whole chapter is about David who is running away from Abimelech, pretending madness. And the whole chapter is about I cried out to the Lord and he saved me out of all my troubles. I cried out to the Lord and he heard my prayer. I cried out and he's talking in the old covenant. Because David found a way to pray. Just like Moses, remember was creeping out in Exodus chapter 33 trying to find a way outside of law and going, Lord, can I pray? Can I make atonement? I mean, are you excited to see that thing? I was so excited when I saw that passage. That Moses trying to pray and God shut him down. He says, no, the guy who sins, he has to pay. But God gives grace. When Moses receives the punishment, he says, okay, I believe that this punishment will be visited at a later time. And he sees Jesus. Moses saw Jesus. He saw Jesus. And God says, you have found grace in my sight because of atonement. Okay. So, so it says, humble yourself, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Okay, therefore submit to God, resist the devil. So now, this is getting even deeper. He says, resist the devil. Now this is deep. Now it's getting into spiritual warfare. 
submit to God, you resist the devil. Hold it. And he will flee from you. So we always found how do you resist the devil, right? The Bible says the way to resist the devil is by being by being submissive to God. That's how you resist the devil. How are you submissive to God? When you So spiritual warfare at a very low level is is asking when you resist the devil. Hold this thought. So now it is getting into spiritual warfare, deep theology, right? It's not getting resist the devil and he will flee from you. Because now you are in a position of humility, you are not in pride. Pride is Satan's territory and he wants to fight you in that. So who brings, what, what are you resisting? You are resisting pride, correct? But Satan masquerades as pride, correct? Satan doesn't come with his wings, right? He doesn't come with his ping pong, Satan here. You know, he doesn't come like that. He just comes in your heart saying, Speak, thus you shall speak. Speak in your heart. I shall exalt my throne. Just speak in your heart. He just comes in your heart. That's how he does. He comes in your heart. So resist him by asking. Don't be tempted to perform. Don't be tempted to pay the price. Be quick to ask. Be proficient to ask. Okay, stay there. God resists the plow, but therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your heart, you sinners, because his, his audience is the Jews who have not accepted Jesus. We are already established you that. Lament and long, humble yourself in the sight of God, and he will lift you up. So how will the Jews who have not received the gospel humble themselves before the Lord? Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Jesus said, ask, I'll give it to you. So he's telling the Jews the same thing. Why don't you just humble yourself instead of going through the law and trying to prove your righteousness and trying to do all the things. Why don't you just humble yourself before the law and just ask. Because you don't have, because you do not ask. You don't have salvation because you don't want to receive the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Because you don't want to ask in my name. See, the whole point of Jews was they, they wanted to talk to God but God could not receive them when they talked to him directly. So they pretended as if God was hearing their prayers. So their prayers, so they had prayers. Their prayers was in the synagogues, in the public places to impress people. No one was hearing them. Jesus said, Jesus said, they have their reward. That means the reward is the fact that they have a good reputation that they can pray well. That is their reward. We don't want that reputation. Do you want a reputation that you can pray well? No. You want a reputation that you can ask well because you receive what you ask for. Correct? Because your joy is full. But the way you can ask for is with the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Okay. Humility and prayer and spiritual warfare. Let me repeat after me. Humility, prayer, spiritual warfare. Okay. See these three connections. How important prayer is in this. Okay, let's go back to, I, I promised you that I will only take three past, three verses and I will we'll, we'll close with that. First Peter chapter 5, First Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5. Okay, first chapter 5 and he says, Verse chapter 5. Look, look how, 
how powerful the Holy Spirit's setting of the verses are. First Peter chapter 5. That, the previous one was James. A totally different episode. Now Peter is coming into the picture. Peter writes an episode. Peter quotes the same verses. Read this. Likewise, to you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Then suddenly Peter thinks of this word submit. Right? And he switches gear and says, yes, all of you, be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Same verse? Did James quote the same verse? Okay, James quoted the same verse in the context of asking and receiving, correct? Okay, now let's see what's the context here. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. What, did James say the same thing? Yes or no? Yes, okay? Okay, read the next verse. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Did James talk about spiritual warfare? Yes. Is Peter talking about spiritual warfare? Hold it. We are on to something big out here. I have not heard it before. But this is powerful. This is powerful. We are talking about spiritual warfare in the context of what? Of humanity. Yes? That is settled. Okay? Let's see whether it is in the question of asking. Right? In Peter. If Peter also settles this in the question of asking, it will make sense. Correct? Okay, guys, I, need, I, I want you to focus here. Because this is, this is resist the devil and he will flee for you. He doesn't want you to hear this. This is spiritual warfare. He will make you fight all stupid battles but not fight this battle. Because this is the only true battle as a believer. This is huge. Okay. Look at this. Be sober. Sober. What's this word? Be sober. Be vigilant. Same word. Be vigilant means be watchful. Yes or no? Watchful. Be vigilant. Okay? Because the adversary, the devil, walks like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So the adversary is going around seeking whom he may devour. Right? Resist him. Same word. Hold on, are these guys collaborating in their episodes or what? No, because it's the Holy Spirit writing the same word. Because the Holy Spirit knows what's going on in the background. He says, resist him. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith. Faith means in the gospel of undeserved favor. Don't resist him in the law. Resist him in faith. He's talking about faith is always the word in faith is resist him not out of your own efforts. Resist him saying that it has nothing to do with me. It's about Jesus. Resist him that way. Okay? Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brother all over the world. That means every one of us, every one of us, spiritual battle, spiritual warfare is the same operation. Satan brings pride and wants you to not ask and humble yourself before God by not asking, not praying, not praying. He doesn't want you to ask the Father directly, confidently about your righteousness, believing that he will receive because you are the righteousness of Jesus, he doesn't want you to ask him. He wants you to depend on your righteousness or he wants you to pay the price. Big. It's huge. So he says, resist him in the faith. Resist him in the faith. Okay. 
Look at it. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. How do you humble yourself in the mighty hand of God? Verse 7 explains it. How does it explain? Casting your care on him. How do you cast your care on God? Asking. So before asking that, we got spiritual battle there and you got the, the resisting pride there. Isn't it? So he says, every time, now listen to this. This is, this is deep, at the same time common sense, but this is not common sense, this is very uncommon. But it is driven by the spirit. Sushil, listen to this. Listen to this. This is huge. This is huge. This is huge. Milo, I want you to listen to this. Listen to this. Forget about the children and all. Just come in. This is big. This is big. Because this is where the enemy gets you. This is where the enemy gets you. When Satan brings cares on you, he's attacking you. The way you can get resist this attack of the enemy is by praying and asking and humbling yourself before God. Humility apart from prayer, there is nothing. There is nothing. There is nothing. There is no confident call. I have to kneel down. And I humble myself. No, there's nothing. There's nothing. Humility before God is nothing apart from plain asking the Father and refusing to take the care. Say, I refuse to take the care. So you just refuse to take the care. You say, so every time you feel like caring for something, you caring for something, you what you do? You do what? You, you pray in the spirit. You pray in the spirit. That means you are asking continuously. The Holy Spirit is making you ask continuously. He's, he's making you a prolific asker. Because what happens? The enemy is resisted and God answers your prayers and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts. God knows. Do you want the third verse? If, I, if the mouth of two or three witnesses, this is going to be established. You already got two witnesses, right? Okay? Are you all ready for this? You're talking about spiritual warfare. This is spiritual warfare, brothers and sisters. When you take care, number one, you're telling that I'm proud. I don't want to ask. I don't want to ask. I don't want to ask. Either for whatever reason. So the elder son outside the house is a picture of a proud son. Amen? Because he doesn't want to ask for a fatted cow. And because he cannot ask, he does not receive. Because he cannot receive, now he is bitter. Now because he is bitter, he is angry with the father. It's a progression. Did the enemy get it? Did the enemy get it? But it all started by not asking for the fatted cow so that his joy would be full. Wow! And I thought that I should only ask for things that I need. No, you better ask for the things that make you joyful. Because because you don't ask, you don't get. And because you don't get, you don't rejoice. And because you don't rejoice, you become bitter. And because you become bitter, you become angry with God. And because you're angry with God, you become angry with everybody else. Because you are coward enough to say, not confess that you are angry with God. So you better ask and receive what makes your heart full. That your joy will be full. Jesus said, they shall ask and your joy will be full. Joy will be full. Hey, joy will be full is not my idea. Because Jesus knows. That's his idea. He says, if your joy is not full, you're going to be bitter. You might 
price. I'm going to pay the price. And, and what did the elder son come and tell the father? He said, No, before that. Before that. What did he say? I've worked for you all these years. To which covenant is he operating? The righteousness that comes from law does. The righteousness of faith speaks. Speaks slash. Speaks slash. Us. Sushil, you got it. Righteousness of faith. Ask. Ask. Morning, evening, continually ask. Because he is able to give abundantly more than you can ask. You can never exhaust him. So ask. And because God knows that you cannot ask enough, he sends a professional asker. Use his help. If you do not open your mouth and pray in the spirit, what does that say to the Father God? But God, God doesn't condemn you. God doesn't condemn you. But you don't receive the benefits of it. Rajesh, do you see that? Pray in the Spirit. I'm saying it's true. Brothers and sisters, pray in the Spirit. Ask. There are only four things that the early church did. Said firstly. Number one, they held fast to the faith. Apostles' doctrine. Number two, they fellowship. Koinonia. Number three, Breaking of bread, communion, regular judgment. And number four, prayers. Say first. I mean, Holy Spirit comes on the church, the only four things that they do, and the Bible says, and great grace was upon them. Isn't it? When they started asking, guess what? Great grace was upon them, and the Bible says, these, this early church became possessors of great lands and great houses. So people were starting to sell houses and lands that they had and bring it. So suddenly the church started receiving great wealth. They started becoming possessive. You remember Barnabas who went with Paul on the missionary journey? This guy is from Cyprus. The Bible says he was a Levite from the country of Cyprus. And having a land, he sold it. Having lands, he sold it. Barnabas, rich guy! So God was bringing the church into great abundance. Bible says great grace was upon them. Why? Why was great grace upon the early church? They cast their cares, but more than that, they were asking. They were asking above more than what they can. Ask. Ask, think, or imagine. Hallelujah. Okay, third, third witness, okay? I want you to go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Wow. Wow, this is good. Okay, Philippians chapter 4, I want everybody to concentrate on this. You're getting the third witness from the scripture, not from my words, it's from the scripture. Third witness. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 onwards. Again, it starts with rejoice. Oh, hold it. Rejoice, joy. Rejoice in the Lord. How, how often? Why is it so important to rejoice always? 
do it, right? If the Holy Spirit is saying rejoice always, how can you rejoice if your needs are not met? If what you ask you don't receive. Rejoice always, okay? Rejoice always. Again I say, something very important, Amen, Amen. Again I say rejoice, okay? Let your gentleness be known to all them. This word gentleness is kind of a misnomer. What it's basically saying is, let everybody see that you are cool. You never get stressed out. You're just cool. And people have, people have told me in my office many times, Anil, you're just cool. I mean, you never get stressed out. I mean, people, people will be struggling and stuff, and they'll come with all kinds of tension. They'll come, and they'll be in. And you never get worried about it. Yeah, because why? You are not. The, when people come to you, do you get feel stressed so much? No. Because they can see. Let your gentleness be known to all. Gentleness is not humility. They say your ability to be peaceful. Peaceful means stress-free, not perturbed. Oh, stock market is falling. Oh, this is happening. Oh, my job is happening. No. When, when you have stress, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? Praise the Spirit. Casting all your cares on Him. But he careth for you. Casting all your cares on it. But he careth for you. Got it? Okay, now listen to this. Rejo rejoice always. Let your gentleness be known to all. The Lord is at hand. You know, I have read that verse for so long. I always thought what it means is the coming of the Lord is near. How many of you have read that as that? How many of you have read that the, this is the coming of the Lord is near? It is not what I say. It is saying, let your gentleness be known to all because the Lord is at hand. And he is, huh? with you. he is with you. So it is the element of he dwells with you. He is at hand. It's an old language saying that, hey, he's not far away. He's not in Jerusalem. He's not in heaven. You don't pray our father in heaven because he's not in heaven right now. He's where? He's inside us. That's an old covenant prayer before Jesus was risen. Nobody says now Father in heaven. It's the Father who dwells with us. Abba Father. Abba Father who lives with us. So he says, your Father is next to you. Let, your gentle, let everybody know that, hey, you can go to Annie. The Father of the universe dwells with her. Let, her, let, let everybody see that she's stress free. Let everybody see that your gentle is your Father. Your Lord is at hand. Amen? Okay, let's keep reading. Verse 6. Uh, be anxious for? Same verse. Casting all your cares on him. Be anxious. Same verse, James. Why do you fight? Why do you struggle? Why strive? Harder? Do not be anxious for anything. But in everything, by? By, but, but by everything, but in everything. In how many things? Everything. Not in some things. You know, some things, Lord, I think I can manage. You know, this area, I can manage. It's not so critical that I need to pray. This area, you know, and so what we do is, areas that we can manage, we allow that cares to remain in your life. Yes or no? You see that happening? So there is this constant level of stuff in your shelf. You keep removing that shelf, something else comes on the shelf. You know? So you constantly have something. So when you wake, how many of you wake up in the morning and you wonder what is the thing I should worry about? You know, some days it's like, 
And I am cool, everything is okay, but that has, this is abnormal. That has to be something that I should be worried about. Either I'm missing something, you know, because that is a, that's a pathetic situation of a belief. In fact, your default state should be, your default state should be stress-free. When, when, when cares come, that means what's happening? Enemy is walking like a devouring lion seeking whom we may devour. So what is he looking at you for? He's seeing whether you will take the care. Because the reason you are having the care is because you are proud. If he can designate, if he can designate you as a proud guy, guess what? If he can designate yours, you as a proud guy, if Satan can designate you as a proud guy, what does it do to the devil? No, no, no. Satan cannot devour us. You know that. Satan cannot devour us. He can accuse. Yeah, he can. Ah, correct. He, Satan, you know why Satan cannot devour us? No. So he's seeking who he may devour, but he cannot devour you, right? So what is, but he's, he's, he, if he can designate you as a proud guy, what he can do? Uh, who resists the proud? God resists the proud. So he's now going to use God against you. Which is what he was doing from Garden of Eden. He's trying to get you to be against God. And God to be against you. That's his point. At least in your mind. At least in your mind. God is not against you. But he will try to get to make you believe that God is against you. God is against you. So guess what? He says, in everything, let be anxious for nothing. Even there has to be. Paul. This is Paul? Yes. So we had one apostle James, second apostle Peter, now the third apostle? Paul. Paul is saying, Paul, there has to be some exemption for us to worry. I mean, give me at least one. I mean, you need to give me at least one chance to worry, right? One chance. Okay. He says, no, be anxious for nothing, but in everything. See, the problem is, we, many times we tell believers, hey, don't worry, don't worry, huh? don't be anxious, God is good. Go, don't worry, God is good, huh? God will do things for you. That's not good enough. What should, what should we be telling them? What should we be telling them? Don't be anxious for nothing? What else? Pray! You should tell them, pray! Everything by prayer and supplication. What does supplication mean? Ask. Just glorified way of saying, ask. Even more baser. In fact, the word for a prayer is called pros, pros, echos. Pros, echos means exchange of wishes. That's what it means. Pros means exchange. Uh, is there a word you call pros? You would know. Pros, the word pros, P-R-O-S, in uh, prosthetic, but not that. But the, pros means exchange. Any word of pros in Greek is pros is exchange. Eucas, uh, pros, uh, let me tell you the words, pros, okay, U E U C H E. Okay means wishes. So prayer means pros, okay, pros, okay, pros, okay. Pros, okay means according to Greek means exchange of wishes. That's beautiful. So you're really exchanging with the Father God your, your wishes. You're telling Father God what you what? Wish? Pros? Okay. Okay. Pros? Okay. Okay. Let's look at it. 
be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God means what ask and guess what happens when you do that what happens to do that verse 7 and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will why is the word God there because of the same issue remember warfare you didn't see warfare here otherwise correct but there is warfare here because it's guarding your heart and minds through Christ Jesus what is guarding you when you ask see that is why the enemy doesn't want you to ask he wants you to take the cares and marinate in it he doesn't want you to ask for whatever reason either it is self-righteousness or self-integrity complex either one for one reason he doesn't want you to ask he doesn't he doesn't bother him a bit what reason you used to not ask but he doesn't want you to ask especially he doesn't want you to pray in the spirit because then you will professionally ask and you will prolific prolifically ask and you will ask a lot when you pray in the spirit right he doesn't want that please do not pray in the spirit pray God's sake that's how letters here. Please do not pray in If you want to pray, try praying in English, but do not ever, do not ever pray in this Because Satan. He's saying, it's constantly. Even a constant, do not pray in the spirit. He's saying, why? Because he's afraid of praying in the spirit. Because you will pray correctly, you will pray accurately, you will pray prolifically, and you will pray confidently. Because the spirit cries out Abba Father when you pray. Because it relates as if speaking to a father confidently. Got it? So the whole reason the Holy Spirit has been given to you is not just because of your righteousness. Your righteousness, God is not going to take away from you. But he enforces your revelation of the righteousness and declares to you what belongs to you in Christ Jesus and makes you ask the Father everything that belongs to you. You see that thing? So the Holy Spirit's role is intricately linked to his prayer. Do you get it? So there is no point having the baptism of the Holy Spirit and not pray. It's like, so God has given you a professional asker. And what is the point if you do not ask? It's like God is sending you a nanny and you do not have any children. Unless he wants to nanny you. All the men say, no. <laughs> no, you know. So God is, so when God is sending you the Holy Spirit, it's for the very purpose for you to ask and do the works of God. Because God cannot do the work. You know, if, you're, if God is good, calling you to lay hands on a sick, right? And when you pray in the Spirit, you're confidently praying in the Spirit, confidently that God, you will answer, I believe, and I receive it. Right? But in the English, you don't have faith. Like you don't know whether I ask, should I ask to pray for, should I pray for the sick, or should I make it heal, should I, should I ask only a little bit, or should I lift, lift her up from a wheelchair, you know, all kinds of things, like I'm afraid, and all my fears and my tensions, see, because he helps us with our what weakness? Inability to pray, George, you got it, when you're paying attention. The weakness is not about your flesh in terms of your sin and all that, that's how you learn it, right? No, no, no. It's the inability to not pray. 
is what he helps you with. So when he comes to help you with your inability to pray and strengthens you in that area, what should you ought to do? At least lend your mouth to him. That's it. The Bible says in the new covenant, the spirit that I give upon you, his words and the spirit shall not depart out from your mouth forever. And he says, I will create the fruit of your lips. Peace to those who are near and those who are far. He's talking about the new covenant. He's talking about the new covenant. He's talking about the new covenant. Talking about the spiritual warfare here. And he says, once you, once you cast your cares on Jesus, once you cast your cares on Jesus by praying, not by anything else, by praying, the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts. And the Bible says, in Proverbs chapter, uh, Proverbs chapter, uh, this is, I I, you can write it down, I'm not going to go there, but Proverbs chapter, Proverbs chapter 4, who said that? You got it? Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the springs of life. That means, the issues of life is a misnomer. It means, out of it flows all the rivers, the springs of life. That means, he says, in some of the translations, it says, my child, above all, above all else, Proverbs, Proverbs is saying, of all, above all that I've said, above all things, keep your heart with all diligence, because out of it flows all the springs of life. That means, if you can guard your heart, that means everything else about your life will be great. Amen? Amen? The only way you can guard your heart is, is by not taking cares. And the only way you can not take cares is by asking. And then the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God, 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 God. Okay. I'm so tempted to go to what? Can I take just two verses more? Two verses more? Okay, we'll close with that. Revelation chapter 5. Of all the churches Jesus said was to the church of Philadelphia. He said, look at this. Look at the benefit of a church that created. Right? Revelation chapter 3. He says to the church in Philadelphia. I know your works. I said before you an open door. So somebody has opened the door to Jesus. Because somebody asked. Because he said, knock and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. So this church knocked. And the door was open to them. And the Bible says, knock means he was in the context of praying. So it was open to him. For, I, for you have a little strength. See, this church did not have a great strength. So they were, so what does it show? They did not have a lot of strength. They, could, they did not boast in what they could do. They did not have little strength. But you have kept my word. What word? The word too of faith. And they constantly asked. And I have not denied my name. Because in my name they kept asking. Right? They had, they, they had little strength. Because they had little strength they asked. They prayed. Okay. Then what did he say? Verse 10. Because you kept my command to perceive. In prayer you perceive. I will also keep you from the hour of trial which will come upon the whole world. Look at this. Luke chapter 21, Jesus says about the same thing. He says, watch and pray. And I will keep you from the hour of trial 
Didn't Jesus say that? Didn't he say that? Luke chapter 21, which is the last verse. Luke chapter 21, verses 34 to 36. Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21, verses 34. Now look at this. This is Jesus, the fourth witness, the Jesus' witness. Jesus' words. Now take heed. Now take heed to them yourselves. Take heed to yourself. Means be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Jesus' words, right? Be careful. Same word. Devil is coming. Be watchful. Be wary. Be alert. Say. Paul talks about it. James talks about it. Peter talks about it. Now Jesus talks about it. Be careful. Take heed to yourself. Proverbs. Solomon talks about it. Watch your heart. Watch your heart. He's coming for your heart. Because if he can get your heart, he's, that's what Paul, uh, Solomon is saying. Above all else. Above all else. Above all else. I mean, if, if Solomon, a wisest guy, says above all else, you don't want to listen, right? Above all else. Okay. Take heed to yourself, lest your... Are you all guys reading? Let your hearts be weighed down by... No. Carousing, that means overindulgence, overindulgence, not negative, it could be overindulgence of anything, drunkenness and hold it. Are we again hearing cares? Your hearts being weighed down by cares and he combines cares with drunkenness. Jesus is saying that it's almost equivalent to being drunk. When you have cares, hold it. I've never heard that preached. Why? Because Satan doesn't want to preach that. Because he knows that's how he gets you. The edified ones. The non-drunkards. He gets you by cares. Because you are drunk with cares. Because he can get you drunk with cares. The end result is the same. He wants to devour you. Okay, what he says. Be, take heed to yourself. Lest, lest, lest. That means, don't let your hearts be weighed down by carousing, drunkenness, and cares of which life? This life. Cares are always about this life. Ooh. Have you ever worried in heaven which house I will get? Will I have to stay next to this neighbor? I've never heard anybody stress over that. All the stress is about this life. My boss, my colleague, my spouse, my children. Right? My neighbor, my house. My car, my bills, my this. Cares of this life, right? Okay, let's look at this. And that day will come upon you unexpectedly. For it will come as a trap or a snare on those who dwell on the face of the earth. Watch therefore. Watch. Watch. Look at the word watch. Where did we hear this word watch? Not there, but in Revelation. Because you watched, you perceived Because you perceived And he said... Be alert, be vigilant. Uh, Paul talks about it in Ephesians. Resist the devil. Be alert, be vigilant. Watch, right? How do we resist the devil? Jesus says, watch therefore and pray how, how, how often? Pray always. Again, pray always. That you may be counted worthy to escape all these things. Which things? Yes! You got it! 
coming upon that that is that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Because not only cares all the destruction and the evil that Luke 21. He's talking about the end times and everything. Uh, why am I telling you all this? What I think the Holy Spirit is telling us something. You know, dark days are coming upon you, right? There's going to be major chaos, major stuff like that. But you don't take care. The only way you can resist the enemy at this point of time is being humble and ask. And God will exalt you. He will exalt you. He will exalt you. He will, you just ask. And you humble yourself and ask. And ask. And refuse to take care. Cast all your cares on Him. Pray always. Say always. always. The only way you can pray is in the Holy Spirit always. Praying always. Why is it important? So He says continue, continue, continue. God, continually ask. Continually ask. Continually ask. Continually ask. Continually ask. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts. Don't worry about guarding your hearts. Don't worry. He says, I'm going to guard my hearts. I'm not going to allow any cares to come to me. Sure. Have you tried that? I've tried that. I'm going to refuse to think about this problem. Correct? Guess what happens? I'm thinking about it more than I'm thinking about it more than but the way you get rid of cares and your preoccupation with cares is by constantly praying. Constantly praying. Like the first early church. By the early church. Constantly praying. Constantly praying. And the Bible says, and great grace was upon them. I didn't share you that verse. You can go and read it yourself. Just after that verse, it says, and great grace was upon them. And they became possessors of great lands and houses. That is grace. That's, that is grace. When you have more than enough, when your joy is full, and then you sow into the kingdom with joy, not because of compulsion. Right? Then you are willing to give joyfully. How do you give a joyful giver? Because you have more than enough to give. I, the parents are given joyfully is because when I give more than enough to give. Because I give joyfully. I'm so happy. Because I'm receiving so much. I don't have any problems giving. I receive. Learn to receive. Then you can give. Very good. A lot of your theology is kind of cleaned up a little bit on spiritual warfare, on cares, and of asking. I mean, we covered so many verses, but I couldn't help it, but it's, a, it's an important topic that you cover this whole business of asking. This praying business is no religious business. It is not under the old covenant. Not everyone is privileged to ask the Father directly. A lot of people pray, but they don't get anything because they are not in covenant relationship with this Father God as a son and a father. Only you and I. And because you can ask, and you can ask for others, by the way. The Bible talks about it and we can cover that, but you can ask for others. Because you can ask. You can ask. So ask, ask, ask. So spend time praying in the Spirit. All things will work together for good. All things, and you'll start asking good things. Don't limit yourself. Don't, when you say, no, I really can't believe for healing for this. I can't believe for that. Don't, that's your problem, right? Because you don't know how to ask. Because you do not know what the mind of God is. Therefore, God has given you a helper, a professional helper. And God wants you this evening time to be a professional asker. Not a professional asker, a, prol a prol prolific asker. Prolific. I mean, you should be known as a guy who constantly asks. And how will we know that you constantly ask? When we see your face. We know that you constantly ask. Because you are stress-free. 
Because you're constantly casting your cares on him. You're constantly casting your cares on him. That's how I know you're humble. Don't come to me with this face of humility and all stressed up. And you don't go to anybody with us. Nor should you go because then that is not that is pride. If you are so burdened, it's not humility. Then you say, Lord, I am not humble. I am proud. Why am I carrying all these burdens? Why am I so stressed up? Because I am proud. Lord, I admit I am proud. Ah, God loves it. Lord, I want to ask Lord. I am going to ask all things. Right? Just ask. Ask the Father. Ask. Ask. Is Abba Father. Jesus says, I don't even have to pray the Father for you. You can ask directly. I'm saying is God let the Holy Spirit just free you from all condemnation to ask. Because the enemy tries you, now you're not righteous enough, you're not praying enough, you did not do this for God, therefore you cannot deserve this, you don't deserve that. Stop it. Just ask. It's not about you. It's about how good your father is. It's how good your father is. And you say, Anil, I've asked many years, I've not received anything. Okay? Okay, I hear you. Okay, I would say for a season just pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. Just pray in the spirit. Just pray in the spirit. Maybe you maybe you are not asking, you're not asking correctly. Something is wrong. Or, or just perceive it. The Bible says perceive it. And I will keep you. Expectation will happen. It will happen. Don't give, my only encouragement is don't give up. Pray. Don't give up praying. Praying is not for spiritual, super spiritual people. It is for ordinary people like you and me in the church. And great grace is upon you. And I want you to start thinking about it. If you are not seeing great grace, if you are not seeing great grace on your life, one of the biggest reasons is because you are not praying. For the first time I am using the word praying, but it is really asking. Because you are not asking. Learn to ask. God will give you great grace. Great grace. Just ask. Spend, a, spend some time. When you're walking, when you're in your office, when you're outside, spend time just asking God. Ask everything. Peter, ask everything. Everything. What's your problem, right? Just ask. It's not about you. Ask. Just ask everything. Ask everything. Let's just pray.